0: Uh, so Adeline, I have this idea for a, a podcast, um, yeah. and it it goes like this. Basically, it would just be two white people uh, talking about movies uh, and just being, in general, not as smart as they think they are. Um, yeah, one But of I'm having women, a I'm so having like a, a little bit better. <laughs> I'm having a really hard time cracking this I- idea, and I guess I just I guess I just wanted your input. What would, for? Like for example, what would you think it should be called? Uh,
1: hmm. only cool kids allowed. I think yeah. it needs a little polishing, a little, a little, fixing up, a little. Bit. So I mean, here's what just I think. You're so good at this kind of thing, Jackson. I think I think you should take a crack at it. But
0: I don't know. I can't do it. What if I I'm what so if it sucks? And ugly. I don't okay. know.
1: I god I So here's what hated. I think. It's so called bad.
0: I think it would be called No Nerds Allowed and I would say, "Hi, I'm Jackson McMurray." And then, I don't know, you could say something
1: like like I'm Adeline McMurray. No, that sucks. I hate it. God.
0: And this is No Nerds Allowed. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's I, it. Is this I don't know if this is funny. I
1: don't know. We've gone too far. <laughs> this is
0: a bad <laughs> it's a sunk cost. It fucking sucks! <laughs> Man, is there like a sad sack I love... award that Nicolas Cage
1: could win <laughs> for this movie? Yeah.
0: <laughs> for this movie. There's this line it that really I, I love. Like I mean, I have to get into this sack. movie. We need yeah. to set up this movie for the audience if you haven't seen it. But there's this line reading in it where fucking Nicolas Cage like opens Hold on, let me let me bring up my notes real quick. Um
1: Are you talking about when he's like where... screaming into his tape recorder?
0: <laughs> yeah. There's this moment where he like gets this brainwave and he's super excited and he's just like, We open on Charlie Kaufman, fat, bald Old, repulsive, and he's like super excited, like talking into his yeah. tape recorder. It's so funny. Thinking about to me.
1: how much he sucks. Yeah,
0: it's just really good. Okay, really so good. today we are covering adaptation. Uh, this is our this is a mm-hmm. Randy's choice episode. This is not the kind of movie we would usually do on this podcast, but that's Randy, no, baby. Never, that's why we do I had this. Never heard of this movie? So this was (laughs) Charlie Kaufman's second ever screenplay. Um, He was working Mm -hmm. in TV for a long time. And then he wrote Being John Malkovich, which is just like this Mm -hmm. weird, insane bananas movie that's like existential and surreal, but like also sort of marketable, like at the same time in a weird sort of like star driven way it's a super weird movie that I quite like um but I think I like this movie even better to be honest um, so this movie mm-hmm. I, I I'm starting with who Charlie Kaufman is because it's kind of important because this yeah. movie is about Charlie Kaufman writing the screenplay for his next movie, which is the movie you're watching
1: yeah. It's and very meta in a lot yeah, of ways.
0: Yeah, it's super funky because so okay. Here's here's the story of how this movie came to be. I mean, more so okay. than even just like the depiction of events in the movie, because that's what this movie <laughs> is about—is how this movie came to be. But so there's this book. The book, everything in this is real to a certain extent. Oh. Um. The, oh okay I thought the it was book, No, the book is a real book um that Charlie Kaufman got hired. So they it's this book that was big in the late 90s about this woman who like followed this like flowered smuggler and it's all it's this very like sort of poetic mm-hmm. nonfiction book about this guy who like sells these illegally trafficked flowers to people and makes a lot of money at it. Um mm-hmm and so they set up a movie at whatever studio it is and they have jonathan demme set to direct and they hired charlie kaufman to to write the adaptation um and then at some point um charlie kaufman's like working on this thing in secret and at some point during that process jonathan demme drops out because he like couldn't make it work um Mm-hmm. and it's around this time this is the same time that Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman are making uh being john malkovich um and mm-hmm. <laughs> Charlie Kaufman tells Spike Jones about this like crazy galaxy cuz like the the movie is autobiographical in the sense that yeah. he has to make this adaptation of this weird sort of plotless book and he's like I don't yeah. fucking know how to do this he's like I don't have an idea I don't get it and I like at the same time I I want to be true to this thing but I also you know I don't want to make like a Hollywood movie and he's like going in circles mm-hmm. and he can't figure it out and he has this galaxy brain idea to like include himself in the screenplay and make a movie about him trying to crack the adaptation of whatever the book is called Um, mm-hmm. and obviously he's like kind of just doing it for himself to like maybe try to break his writer's block you know um but he starts talking to spike jones about it while they're making being john malkovich and he's like i haven't like pitched this to anybody and i don't think i actually want to do this but i've been working on this weird thing where i've been like writing myself into this screenplay in hopes that it like gets Mm -hmm. some juices flowing and like i can do something else and spike jones is just like they're looking for a director for this movie right now, and I will straight up sign on immediately if we do that. If we do this <laughs> weird bonkers thing you're doing. And so, yeah. basically, Spike Jones signs on to direct this movie, and like does his best to sort of keep this script a secret from like the higher-ups for as long as he can into pre-production, until yeah. eventually he has to like hand over this weird, crazy finished script to the studios. And it's sort of a, like easier to ask for forgiveness than permission kind of thing. It's like, yeah. I don't know, you already sunk $100,000 into this! And so they were like, yeah, I You're guess like, oh, we can yeah. do this. And the author of the book liked it, and she thought it was cool, so that was, like, part of the thing that, like, sort of, like, edged them towards yeah. doing this weird, crazy thing. Um, Apparently, originally this movie was gonna be Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, and John Turturro in the Chris Cooper role. Um, but basically, Nicolas Cage loved it so much that he, like, basically, he, like, eBay sniped Tom Hanks and was like, I'll do it for way less money. I'll do it, oh, <laughs> I'll do it for, like, Tom basically Hanks no money. Role, do you yeah. think that'd be better, or do you think it'd be worse?
1: Well, so, I... I don't know how i feel about nicholas cage because i don't think that he's a bad actor in any way shape or form i do think he's accepted bad roles and bad movies before which have kind of like tainted right. his name this isn't news to anybody so it's like i don't know right like he does a really good job of acting in this movie but like As relatable as his character is, like, with his struggles with, like, being creative and being original and, like, just struggling Mm -hmm. in, like, the the world of screenwriting, which is, like, totally relatable and I totally get, but I just, I fucking hated him. Like, he was just, (laughs) just, he was just a sad sack, and I feel like I wouldn't get that response if it was Tom Hanks, but I don't know if that makes it better or not.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, yeah, I but don't yeah, know, like, basically. be
1: down to masturbate As much as there is masturbation <laughs> in this movie
0: Right, I mean, fair enough um, But yeah, basically that's, that's,
1: that's like my one criticism Is that there's a lot of masturbation oh, in this on, movie Oh, come on, whatever
0: Real life has a lot of <laughs> masturbation, Adeline um,
1: What?
0: <laughs> but, um, so yeah So literally this movie The main character is Charlie Kaufman As played by Nicolas mm-hmm. Cage and it's the story of him writing this screenplay up until the third act where there's like a really crazy twist that I really love. Um Yeah. But like
1: Is that part it's...
0: true? No, that part's not true.
1: Okay, good. That's the part when you're like, it's all autobiographical. I was like, what what the fuck? Well yeah, because <laughs> and the like lady's okay down with
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's the thing, right? Is like the whole movie, one of the things that Charlie Kaufman keeps talking about is like there's something inherently uncommercial to this whole thing. And one of like this <laughs> book, you know. And there's this Mm -hmm. thing that he keeps saying over and over again. It's like, she never even, like, got to see one of these flowers. Like, they were so rare. And, like, at the end of the day, the Mm -hmm. woman who wrote this book never got to see them, even though she cared so much about them. And then there's this moment, like, that moment where... Okay, okay. So, I'm trying to, like, make this This kind of make sense for the listeners. Yeah. So, there's... Charlie Kaufman has written himself a fictional twin brother in this movie. That sort of represents, like, his, like, like, sort of what he wishes he could be in a certain kind of way. Who's, like, this parallel screenwriter who just, like, is excited about writing, like, the most rote, like cheesy action thriller movie yeah like just Mm -hmm. the most cliche thing in the world but he like cares about it and like works at it to make it cool and interesting you know in a way that charlie kaufman in this movie is totally incapable of doing anyway um so like the 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 twin brothers sort of represents like the more commercial element of filmmaking and screenwriting in a way so there's this moment where like charlie kaufman says like Oh, Donald, my twin brother, like, do you want to help me? Like, he's had this tense relationship with him the whole movie. And then he finally gives in Mm -hmm. and he's like, oh, do you want to help me out and help me work on this? And he's like, yeah. And then right afterwards is like when shit starts to get weird where it's like, oh, she was sleeping Mm -hmm. with him. And like, oh, no, we got to find out. We got to go undercover. And like, and there's this moment that I think. (laughs) Yeah. And there's this moment that I think is really cool and smart, where Meryl Streep's character, like, sees one of those orchids, right? She's, like, with Chris Cooper in the swamp, mm-hmm. and she, like, sees one of the flowers and picks it up and is like, wow, all this for just that. Even though we've clearly established that in the story she never saw one of the flowers. So, mm-hmm. like, it sort of, like, tips off the audience. Like, there's this inconsistency. It's sort of, like, tele- telegraphs to you that, like we're starting to fictionalize this now. At least, I don't know, that's the way I read it, I thought. Which I think is super cool.
1: The way that I read it wasn't that we're shifting into fiction now. I read it as, oh, she was lying in her book, basically. Because the book ends with her never seeing the flower. But then we're shown this scene where she does find the flower and she's like oh, it's just a fucking flower. Like, there's no...
0: Right. There's no
1: metaphor. There's nothing... It's just a fucking flower. And so I can't right. took that as because then that's when we start to realize <laughs> that she was sleeping with a guy and they were taking drugs and, like, all of these things. Like, everything starts to right. So I just took it as she was just lying in her book to create this kind of beautiful, metaphorical nothing when in reality there's a whole lot of shit happening, which kind right. of ties back to the seminar that he goes to where right. the seminar guy is like uh, crazy shit happens in real life all the time and if you can't right. find some crazy shit then I don't know what kind of life you're living so <laughs> right. for the book to kind of be this fantastical lie and for reality to kind of be batshit crazy I think totally fits right. in with like, all the things we've been playing with
0: yeah cause yeah I mean not to not to ruin your interpretation of the movie or anything but like the reality <laughs> is, is that all this stuff that's like in the third act of that movie is totally fictionalized um, mm-hmm. because, like, the idea is, like, Charlie Kaufman is sort of, like, giving in to, like, his instincts to, like, make it cool and exciting, so that's the point yeah. where, like, once once Donald Kaufman, quote-unquote, sort of takes over the script and takes over the story,
1: mm-hmm. all of a sudden
0: there's drugs and guns and a guy gets eaten by an alligator and sex and, you know, all this, like, yeah. cool sensationalized stuff that you want to- and there's no masturbation in it at all. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> it just- It sort of, like, just represents, like, him saying, fuck Mm -hmm. it, and being like, there's nothing wrong with, like, making something that people want to see, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And this... There's so, like... I've talked on this podcast a certain amount. Okay, you know what? I've I've been talking way too much this episode. What do you think of this movie, Adeline? General thoughts. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I...
1: This movie really was just kind of dragging me along for a long time. Honestly, it was the ending, that third act, that really got me on board because I feel felt like it was a payoff to a lot of ideas. Cause the whole the whole first two acts are kind of very, like they're not very substantial. Like not in like there's things that are happening and they matter, but it's all kind of up in the air and we're like exploring ideas and like how much he hates himself and how much he's just lost all passion for this thing that he like how hard it is to keep passion in your work when your work is art and it's something that brought you joy and then suddenly Mm -hmm. it's your job and how hard it could be to keep your passion in that thing that you have to do right and like versus this woman who's basically is passionate about another person's passion and like to me, this movie is just about like the lengths that we go to to either rekindle passion or to find a passion in the first place, mm-hmm. which I think is a really cool thing to talk about. I There are times in this movie I don't like when they sometimes tie passion to sex, which goes back to the masturbation scenes, where right. he's lost all passion in his life. ...from his work, because his work is just something that he used to be passionate about... ...but now it's just sucking the passion out of him. And it affects his relationship with his girlfriend so much that they break up and, like... Right. Like, I understand why those masturbation scenes are in there... ...but there's scenes where he, like, meets women and then fantasizes about them... ...and then masturbates about them. Even while, like, his, like, relationships of, like, him, like, actually talking to these women are like totally fine and totally relatable it's i don't know i think it's a part of me because one of my greatest fears is basically to talk to an incel without realizing that i'm talking to an incel or i'm gonna like end up on a forum where it's like oh a girl looked at me and she was oh, i smelled her breath you know like that kind of thing right and just the fact that like he has a totally like they're awkward or sometimes they're kind of Like, based on the fact that he's obviously aroused by them. But, like, there's still, like, normal interactions. But then he goes home and, like, masturbates about them. That, like, really freaked me out and kind of took me out of the character. Because he's, like, this guy who, like, struggles with his self-esteem and his self-esteem with his work and all this stuff. And, like, I think he's a totally relatable character. But then, like, when that stuff kind of happened, I was like, I don't... I... Now I'm freaked out by you, you know? Like, it's just a line that I feel like we crossed, like, one too many times, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, there's plenty of things to talk about, about the morality of what you think about when you masturbate, I guess. But, like, I don't know. I think... I, I think the biggest function it serves is that, like... I mean, not to... Like, it just, it serves this cycle of self-loathing, you know, where it's like, you know, you talk to somebody, and then later you're like, fuck, I really wish, like, I could have a relationship with this person. And you fantasize about it, and then you masturbate about it, and then after you masturbate, you're like, fuck, that was gross, like, and I hate that. And you're like, man, it sucks that I did that, and, like, it sucks that I keep doing that, and you just, like... Mm -hmm. hate yourself more it's like this cycle you just like go through and that's like what this movie's about is like it's about this guy who just like is in this like pattern that he can't like break out of and the opening of this movie is just that voiceover of him being like i should like i really i gotta start working out like and i should learn to play an Mm -hmm. instrument and it's like all these things that you want to do and you think about doing all the time but you just don't have the energy to like really follow through with it or like you don't have the the stamina to like stick to something like that you know and it's like Mm -hmm. it's the whole movie is about sort of like over like breaking the cycle like finding something that can like make you skip that beat and be like oh I've got a foothold now like I can Mm -hmm. I can work on something and be excited about something and make it happen and like now I've like you know sort of broken out of this thing you know um Mm -hmm. And, like, I think that is. I mean, the movie's about, like, a handful of different things in a way that's really concise Mm -hmm. and clear that I really like. But I think that is, like, kind of the biggest theme is, like, this element of, like, self loathing and, like, having to. Cycles of self loathing. Having to break out of it and how that's not healthy or interesting. And you Mm -hmm. gotta. For life to be interesting, for life to be cool and exciting yeah. and the kind of thing you want to write a script about, you can't mm-hmm. just fucking hate yourself all the time. I mean, that's what I think is cool yeah. is, like, you know, it, like, crazy shit happens in life all the time. Life is cool and interesting. And the whole thing is that Charlie Kaufman's trying to write this script to make it, like, as realistic as possible, quote-unquote, in relation mm-hmm. to his, like, shitty life that he hates and basically what it comes down to is like, uh hey, who wants to see that? It's like, if you hate your life, why would anybody else like to watch your life, you know? Yeah. And it's like mm-hmm. having to, having to, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say it's about like having a positive attitude, but I really think it is. I think there's like a yeah. shift in your own life and brain that that takes place that allows you to sort of just be happier and not hate yourself so much and, you know, it's one of those Mm -hmm. things that is, like, a sore subject because, you know, if you have a mental illness, it could be really hard or, like, all those sorts Mm -hmm. of things, but there are certain elements of, like, the way you feel being like a choice you have to make and it's not necessarily an easy choice like you just fucking flip a switch and you're happy but it's about like decisions about how you want to think and what you want to do and how you want to engage with the world around you that you have to be cognizant of you know Mm -hmm. um that that is my biggest takeaway from the movie yeah frankly and
1: that's the part that's the part of the movie that i liked is when we got to that theme and like the moment that he, like, got out of that, st- that cycle and started, like, asking his brother for help and, like, he does go to the seminar to, like, talk with the experienced guy. Like, all that stuff. Like, as soon as we hit that point, then I was like, oh, I'm totally down for this because it's not, like... <clears throat> Basically, I didn't know where this movie was going to go as I was watching it because... It's that scene where he's talking to his agent, and his agent keeps, like, making all those gross jokes about the women in his office. Right. And it's just kind of, It's supposed to be, like, a reflection of, like, how fucked up the industry is. And, like, this right. guy is just like, oh, just, uh... Like, he's giving him this, like, weird half-assed advice, and he, like, keeps, like, interrupting the weird advice to make these gross jokes about his female co-workers and stuff. And, right. like, at that point in the movie, I didn't know what the movie was trying to be i didn't know if the movie was gonna be one of those where it's like oh it's gritty and realistic so every single person is a sex offender and everything sucks and everything's (laughs) bad like you know like that kind of movie Uh i didn't know what we were doing so when we got to the end of the movie and it's like oh no like that kind of life is cool and fun and that sucks and these cycles of self-loathing don't like, they're not true, basically. Like, right. Like, the world is cool and good, and just pretending like it's bad because you hate yourself isn't good. <laughs> right. Like I, I liked when it started to get positive. I like the positive side about it, because I usually, I, I don't like that uh, uh, actually the world sucks and it's bad. Did right, you not yeah. know that? Like, I hate mm-hmm. this story. So that's what I thought what the movie was doing for a little bit and then once they stopped doing that, we're like oh no, actually this is positive. I was like oh mm-hmm. great, I love it.
0: And like, okay, first of all, both of us watched this on 2BTV um, yeah. and there is something supremely surreal about having this mm-hmm. movie get interrupted by fucking Olive Garden ads that made them yeah. <laughs> very strange which I just think is first very funny all,
1: <laughs> I love when you open up Tubi for the first time and it gives you like the little notification of like Tubi like all the streaming service all these like more movies than Netflix but they're like more movies than Netflix it's free it's legal and I was like I didn't think <laughs> it, wasn't it wasn't legal Tubi what are you trying to say did somebody yeah. think this was illegal and like that's not, I would like the imagine of you like go into go into Olive Garden and you are like, "Hello, table for one, please because I'm depressed and I hate myself." And they're like, "All right, welcome I'm to like Olive I like got to work on my screenplay. I friendly and legal. Come this way. <laughs> Won't you dine with us?
0: Yeah. So yeah, 2 Legal TV. Olive Garden. I mean,
1: You've heard look, of I God's feel like I now get ready for legal Olive, legal Garden. Olive Garden. legal Olive
0: Garden. I feel like there was a certain point Uh, in like the internet where like looking for music, it was hard to tell when something was legal or not. I remember there was a website called Groove Shark, uh, when I was like in middle school that I discovered and I was like, oh, this is so cool. It was honestly, it sort of just was kind of like Spotify in the sense that you Mm couldn't like download music or anything. But you could just, like, look up a song, it was like, there it was, and you could, like, stream it and just play it. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this seems super cool. But eventually, and it, like, seemed really legit and, like, clean, you know? Mm-hmm. But eventually I started noticing as, like, a seventh grader that, like, multiple songs were, like, uploaded a bunch of different times. Like by individual people. And I was like, that doesn't oh, yeah. seem right. I looked it up and <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is not a legal service that I've been partaking in. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and you're not in, that... and You're in seventh grade, so you're like, I'm yeah.
1: going to get arrested. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. And I think if I'm correct, the copyright law for stuff like that is like you engaging with it is not illegal. What's illegal is like putting it out in the world. Yeah. yeah, anyway. Not that I was ever committing crimes but like it was just yeah. one of those weird things where i was like oh no how could i how could yeah, i have I hate done to that
1: break it to you but this entire podcast has actually been a sting operation a sting to make you admit <laughs> that my so middle school I'm sorry, groove sorry, shark habits
0: yeah <laughs> um the um i
1: didn't know i was just on naps I, I didn't
0: know <laughs> but yeah anyway there's this weird thing of like this like collection of free streaming services now, which is like oh, yeah. Tubi TV and IMDb TV and Pluto yeah. TV and the and now
1: thing, like the the problem with all those free services is that if you want to watch something like weird and not very popular like like adaptation they're great, but ninety percent uh-huh. of the time they just have like the weirdest most random shit on them that like nobody wants to watch i think imdb has shrek on it and that's like the big that they have going for them is the fact that they have the shrek movie right but uh that's it (laughs) and they've got like we've got like right it's like when you go to like when you're trying to get like what's it called when you stream television to your tv (laughs) what's it called when you're trying to get like well, you're just being like regular channels, and they're just like, oh, if you get this package... Oh, we cable? Oh, cable. We are trying to get cable packages, and they're like, <laughs> oh, there's like, we'll give you 10 billion channels, and it's like, cool. I watch maybe five channels, so I don't know why we right. want a thousand more. It's like that. It's like, we got one movie that we know you want to watch, and you'll come here because it's uh-huh. free, but uh, everything right. else is weird movies you've never heard of from 2002
0: yeah well yeah and I mean every every single one of those so now there's peacock, which is the big one that's like yeah. a big high profile like well funded streaming service that is free mm-hmm. that you can like pay to remove the ads, you know um mm-hmm. and they've got like thirty rock and fucking the phantom thread is on there and like a whole bunch of yeah, stuff you might want to watch right? yeah um but it's interesting that like crackle like they, it's one of those things where it's like I'm not gonna just like sit at home and open up Crackle and like see what I can dig yeah. into you know um, but I have an app on my phone called Just Watch which is basically just mm-hmm. like a database of like what streaming services everything is on so like every once in a while I'm like oh man I want to watch this movie, I wonder if it's on anything and I open it up and it's on IMDb TV and I'm just like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Like, jackpot. (laughs) Like, every once in a while, like, one of those weird movies that you happen to want to watch is, like, available to you and you're like, I love Crackle. Crackle's great. Like... (laughs) And it just, it takes that It yeah. takes that specific scenario But yeah, it's the same kind of thing It's like, I'm not just gonna come home and be like Ah, oh, I can't wait to kick back and open up Pluto TV See what they've got cooking for and me see today
1: what the new thing is Yeah But yeah uh, Back to this movie The problem with this movie talking talk about it on the podcast Is that it's not very funny <laughs> To talk about <laughs> Yeah, or I, I, don't,
0: I don't know I think this movie is pretty de- funny in a lot of places, I too. I
1: didn't laugh that much, because the description... It's described as a comedy drama. I didn't really laugh all that much during this movie. And I think it was maybe because I was too focused on paying attention and trying to understand what was happening, that someone would make a joke, and I just wouldn't get it because yeah. I was too, too busy trying to keep things straight. Because what's happening is that you have the screenwriter writing the script... And then you also have the lady in the process of writing the book, and those two stories are happening side by side. So you have to, like, and then at the third act, when shit hits the wall, they, like, combine, and you're like, oh, this is weird. But so you have to be paid attention for the first part, because we're, like, shifting in between these two stories, and so uh-huh. I would be, like... I remember one time there was like a commercial break, and I looked away, and then that scene where he gets into the car accident and like his wife and his mom dies happens. And right. I was like, oh wait, hold on, I gotta go back because Olive Garden <laughs> made me forget what we're doing.
0: <laughs> um, you also just don't seem. Right. You also just don't seem to respond to like sort of subtle comedies like this. Like, things that are, like, not laugh-out-loud funny. Like, I remember specifically you being really weirded out when I talked about Thoroughbreds being a comedy, which it is. It's just, like... And, like, Uncut Gems, you seem to resist thinking was funny.
1: I think those are the type of movies that I find funny the second time, but I don't find them (laughs) funny the first time. Mm -hmm. And then whenever I record a podcast about them, it's always the first time. Because when I... With movies like those, because they're they're subtle comedies, which basically means that we're doing drama 90% of the time, and then 10% of the time we're doing comedy. So I'm, like, focused on, like, what we're doing so much the first time because I want to make sure Mm -hmm. I understand what's happening. And so then when they make a joke, I'm like, I don't have time. I have to be paying attention. (laughs) So the second Mm -hmm. time... I find them funny and I probably will laugh because I can like relax a little bit and just like watch the right. movie. Right. But so, like, the first time I'm like, I, especially with this movie, because it is just a little bit more complicated than your average movie and it's hard to right. describe. So I was like, I, I gotta be paying attention. So it's <laughs> right. To yeah. Goof. It was just going over my head.
0: Um, th- There's something I'm trying to put into words why I like this movie so much. Because. Mm-hmm. Normally I is it hate how
1: hairy Nicholas Cage is.
0: <laughs> Normally I hate like winking meta like self-referential stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and more than that I hate when movies sort of point out their own flaws in order to sort of mask that they exist, you know. As if to, like, tell the viewer, like, oh, we know, and so we're pointing it out, so that makes it not a flaw anymore, you know? That makes it okay. Yeah, which is, like, my least favorite thing, and I'm always annoyed by, Mm -hmm. like, self-referential meta stuff. And those two things are, like, 100% of what this movie is. And I like Mm -hmm. it so much, and I don't know why none of that stuff bugs me in this. Um, I
1: honestly think it comes from the fact that the protagonist is a little bit of a sad... I almost said "sadass." It's a little bit of a sad sack. <laughs> because right. it's such a sad ass. No, kind of, sad <laughs> ass. I feel, <laughs> I feel like a lot of those characters that are, like, winking and, like, breaking the fourth wall and that kind of thing are all kind of, like...
0: Uh, snarky.
1: Well, they're snarky. A lot of times the joke is the fact that they're an asshole. And it's like, oh, look, they're such an asshole. Oh, they're winking and You know, like, that's always, like, a part of it and it's annoying
0: sometimes are you okay I'm joking. <laughs> I'm good okay, I'm gonna watch just it happen
1: it. on the stream
0: <laughs> I'm just got. <laughs> I've got rum and Dr. Pepper in my lungs
1: <laughs>
0: <coughs> okay okay are I'm, you sorry?
1: <laughs> I'm Jesus.
0: sorry I'm sorry what were you saying I'm
1: sorry <laughs>
0: what were you saying well, about just... <laughs> the, the characters are always assholes
1: yeah the characters that like break the fourth wall like that <laughs> are usually like a part of it is that they're like annoying and they're like assholes or they're like confident right. or whatever and it's like it, it it's annoying it's, it's just annoying so like when you have a character who like ...kind of is, like, literally the opposite of that, and he's the one who's, like, it's meta, but also the character hates that it's meta, which is even right. more meta, you know? Like,
0: <laughs> right, yeah. When,
1: when he does those <clears throat> things where he's, like, basically he's writing out the script of the movie as it's happening, and I think uh-huh. that kind of fourth wall winking makes more sense in this movie, because it's basically a part of the plot, because he's a screenwriter, and he's uh-huh. writing the screenplay for the movie, so when there are voiceovers and when there is that like breaking of the fourth wall, it like makes sense and the joke isn't that it doesn't make sense, you know? Like Right. When he's like describing what's happening or he's describing his emotions, it's because he's writing the screenplay and then he kind of admits that that's a bad way to write a screenplay, you know? Like it's a meta humor but like Right the way that meta humor like actually should be where it's like making fun of the craft right. instead of just looking at the audience you know like
0: being like you I know that I feel like
1: we've just like broke we've broken down meta humor into literally like just talking and looking at the audience but that's right. not what meta humor is meta humor is like making jokes about the craft and the medium and the thing that you're doing in general right and so it's like I, I do think a lot of people do do meta jokes correctly, but then you like not every meta joke is just and Deadpool, you know, like, like it's it's more than just like, oh, I'm acknowledging the fact that this is a TV show or a film or a book or whatever. But it's like actually making a joke about how you would write a screenplay <clears throat> and how he would actually think about writing a screenplay like it's actually meta
0: in that right. way. Yeah, no, and I think part of it is, like, a lot of what annoys me about meta humor is that in a certain way, it's almost like it's, you know, it's either, like, the characters sort of, like, talking down to you as an audience member, like, I bet you yeah. fucking thought I wouldn't do that, or I bet you thought it was gonna be like this, but actually it's gonna be like this, yeah. fuck you, or, like...
1: I'm turning around tropes into something <clears throat> different, but right. in doing that, it's really just another trope.
0: Yeah, and, like the the way that sort of this movie it is it's sort of it's it's meta in a I mean like you said in sort of a sad way like instead of being like yeah. ha, 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 I'm gonna talk to you in the audience it's like the character's like ah, it's pretty meta I fucking hate that and <laughs> like something about that yeah. is much more palatable <laughs> this than movie like
1: sucks I fucking hate it. <laughs> And you're like,
0: no, it's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's something <laughs> there's something so surreal about like that sequence where Nicolas Cage is like and so we start at the beginning of time, like life and you know, the he's, mm-hmm. like, just talking into his tape recorder, he's describing a scene that has already happened in the movie. That we've already seen, and, yeah. Yeah, and he's, like, really excited, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is where he came up with that thing that I liked when they did it earlier. And then it cuts to him a second yeah. later where he's, like, listening back to it, and he's like, fuck, this is so fucking stupid. And you're like, wait, yeah. no, I liked that when that happened, though. <laughs> like, there's something yeah. sort of, like, it, it makes you sort of It makes you, like, directly engage with the the meta-ness of it, I guess. I don't know. It's weird to describe, but, like... um, And, like, I like the whole thing where, like... You know, he's sort of, like, spinning himself out into, like, multiple personalities, and then his twin I mean, brother comes in talking about how he wants to make a screenplay about multiple personalities, and Charlie Kaufman's like, that's so fucking stupid, yeah. please don't do that. I really thought like, the <laughs>
1: twist of the movie was gonna be that the brother never existed. I really thought that was gonna be a twist.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. Because he but ba- just basically
1: like... talk about, like, horror movie tropes and how stuff like that is so stupid, and I was like, oh, the brother isn't real, is he?
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. And, I mean, you know, the brother isn't real in a meta-textual way. (laughs) But, like, yeah, it's so... In the
1: story, he's real.
0: Right. Um, And I think... And also, I just... I checked the chat on my phone. Vi, sorry we didn't get you on this podcast episode. I was saying it earlier. We didn't, like, decide we were going to do this until, like, a couple of days ago. And when you acted excited when I said we were doing it a few minutes ago, I, like, had a realization in that moment. I was like, oh, we should have asked vie to be on this one, but we didn't plan ahead or if make that happen. If you have
1: a thought, and you just want to barge in behind Jackson, that's totally okay. <laughs>
0: on About adaptation, you may. I'm sorry for not yeah. letting you in on adaptation talk because I know you love this movie. Um, Okay. Uh, looking at my notes, um, I like... Um, hold on one more. I just reorganized my home screen so I don't know where anything is anymore.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm still getting used to how it's laid out. Because I got fucking widgets now, bitch. Uh, Have you gotten the new iOS? It's cool. Um, I
1: never fucking update my phone because freaking, I don't know. It takes like, I'm always like, oh, I'll update my phone. It's like, you want five minutes? And I'm like, I'm using my phone now, though, which is why you told me to update it. (laughs) So I'm like, no, I'll do it later. And then it's like 12 months later. I'm like, I'll update my phone.
0: Stop drinking. (laughs) I'm literally joking again. Stop. (laughs) Okay. That one wasn't as bad, though. That one wasn't as bad, though. I'm okay. God. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Okay, looking at my notes. And there is something kind of cool about the fact that within this whole weird clusterfuck of a movie, there is, like, just sort of a straightforward adaptation of the book Within it in a weird sort of way Like There's a solid like 40 minutes Or so like in the first two acts of this Movie that are Mm -hmm. Just him like outlining the book Like where it's Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper Just like hanging out and being like Oh you know This is I'm learning about this whole thing And here's what this flower is and here's like my sort of Philosophical musings about What that's Mm -hmm. like and how this all goes That's like what the book is it's a nonfiction book Um and it's, like, it's it's so weird in the sense that it's, like, this was meant to be just a straightforward adaptation of this book. And he managed to, like, get that in there, even yeah. with, like, all this other weird stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so, like,
1: I really, I do like the two, like, plots happening side by side. Because as soon as I figured it out, I could, like, separate the two and I was totally fine. As long as Olive Garden didn't interrupt what we were doing. Right but i like i really like the parallels of the car crashes i think it's really interesting because you have the meryl streep and guy have that conversation where he's like my wife divorced me after she basically almost died It was in a coma for a month and, she, uh-huh. and meryl streep's like oh well that's can you blame her i mean like i think that's She's like if I almost died, I would do such and such and she's like because it feels like the perfect excuse to do anything really and he's like and he's like well, no not really, but then you have the car crash with Nicolas Cage and his brother dies and he totally turns his life around because it's the perfect excuse to turn his life
0: around. <laughs> right. Yeah. <Fair> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And it's like and so everything nice. that happens in that third act is so like sort of cheesy and tight and, like, wraps it all up in a nice little bow, where, like, the first two acts yeah. are sort of, like, squiggly and messy and, like, don't really tend to have a lot of a, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. specific direction where it's going And It just speaks to the fact that, like, in the movie, like, they're able to use that sort of, like, a cinematic first two acts and still have it pay off in a supremely cinematic way in the third act, if that makes sense. Like, there's something yeah, no, so totally. cool about that. Um, mm-hmm. I also I think it's interesting. I think it's cool that like the first of all, it's funny that like the <clears throat> four different women that um that Charlie Kaufman is like attracted to in this movie all sort of have mm-hmm. like a similar kind of look, you know, like Tilda Swinton and Judy Greer and Meryl Streep and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Like all kind of look mm-hmm. the same in a certain kind of way. There's yeah. something kind of funny about that. Yeah. yeah, it's like he has a type that I think is kind of funny. Yeah. Also, I just appreciate that this movie's like, yeah, Judy Greer's fucking hot. And I'm like, yeah, she is. Yeah. We don't let Judy Greer just be fucking <laughs> <Yes>. hot enough. <laughs> yeah. Um. And same thing with Tilda Swinton, too. Like, this is one of the only movies I've mm-hmm. ever seen where, like, Tilda Swinton is just, like, a pretty lady. Like, <laughs> usually yeah. she's playing some weird surreal monster woman or something
1: yeah i was about to say what i really think what kind of when i was like feeling uncomfortable with the way that this guy like dealt with like women in his fantasies and stuff what like made it not an incel was the fact that like he seemed to have a healthy understanding of the reality of women if that makes any sense like when he goes to the Orchid show and there's all the women around her, he's not like, she looks like a fucking bitch. Or, she looks like a whore. He's just like, that woman's really pretty. That woman's really pretty in a different way. That woman looks like she's super smart and wants to do a crossword. Pub. Like, he, like... Has, <laughs> right. He fantasizes them in a way that, like, is just, like... He's just fantasizing about relationships. He's not, like... I don't know. Like he's not being unrealistic and gross about the women themselves because right. these are just like regular pretty women, you know? Like they're not People supermodels and they're not these weird yeah. sexualized versions of women. They're real women that he like I Right.
0: Has that's yeah. To, that's, that's fine. That's yeah. why I sort of bristle at that is because I feel I feel weird about saying that like There's something right or wrong about like seeing something that attracts you in your everyday and like thinking about it Mm -hmm. later. I don't want to like impose morality on just the act of like masturbation because I think that feels backwards and like unhealthy to me. But... I mean, not that you're completely wrong. That's just my immediate impulse is to say, like.
1: Masturbation fantasy doesn't affect the way that he interacts with women, basically, is what it is. Right, yeah. They're like, they're two separate things. He has a fantasy about a woman, and then he talks to women like they're people and respects them in a reasonable way. You know, like they're, he, he separates the two, which is what you should do in a healthy way when you do that, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. Um,. Anyway, um, Judy Greer, very hot. Um, very hot. I'm looking at... Oh, and there's a moment the where they're that, talking about... Oh, go ahead.
1: Who's the one that plays the waitress lady?
0: That's Judy Greer. Yeah,
1: Judy Greer, she's pretty...
0: Um, because she's, like, she's a comedian. She's, you know, she's... What's her mm-hmm. name? In Arrested Development. Kitty in Arrested Development. Yeah. And She's on... Like, she's just sort of a comedian lady who does, like, a lot of bit parts on TV. She's, like, a famous... She, like, has started Mm. playing, like, moms in blockbusters a lot lately. She's the ex-wife in Ant-Man. Yeah. Not that she's ever been, like, you know, like, an ugly woman. But, like, she never, like, gets to be, like, pretty, you know? (laughs) And, like, like, this movie's like, Judy Greer's super hot. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah, thank you. She is.
1: Thank you. Um, she anyway, is.
0: Uh, the she's also uh, Caesar's wife in *Planet of the Apes* for she is. reasons that are still confusing to me. Um, yeah. But not that she's not um, good. She it's just do like do a weird. In that movie? No, like, not at all. Why? It's like weird that they like cast a name in that role, weird that the name they cast was Judy Greer, and weird that she's yeah. pretty good at it. So it's like yeah. I don't know, the whole thing's it's weird, all, but I'm not mad weird. about it.
1: Does that character um, do anything other than have babies and die? No, but like, <laughs>
0: no. But
1: like it's um,
0: fine. Anyway. <laughs> the, uh, there's a moment where Chris Cooper is talking about adaptation in, like, the evolutionary sense, how, like, organisms adapt mm-hmm. to their surroundings. And I was like, fuck! This is the best movie ever. <laughs> Which is, like, yeah, no, the weird they, sort of, like, ultra-tidy, like, clever quote-unquote script writing I usually don't like, but for some reason it totally works on me in this movie, and I don't know why. Yeah, I know,
1: yeah. I was about to say, that line at the end, the, that they kind of ham up, for like a like final lines of like movie kind of hype upness, but where he's like, "I am what I love, not what loves me." I'm like, "Oh, that's that's really <laughs> right." Good, though
0: <laughs> it's good. Like, you totally it's good. Just said and it that's the thing that
1: I would like it, but like, it's good though.
0: <laughs> right. That's part of the thesis of this movie is that like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with making things that people like. You know, like yeah, just exactly. because. Yeah. Not that there's no place for things that are realistic or whatever, but it's, like, there's not something inherently wrong with, like, enjoying things and loving things and not being ashamed of, like, what you love. Sort of like when Donald is talking about that girl who was, like, making fun of Mm -hmm. him behind his back, it's like, he was like, I don't really care because I still liked her. I thought she was pretty and I was attracted to her. And, like, Mm -hmm. that is sort of what it's like to, like, like a marvel movie you know like (laughs) people can make fun of you all they want for it but like in you know maybe for some people you would be like i don't like it anymore because people made fun of me about it but it's like you can just be like yeah yeah it's okay like i still like it i still like the winter soldier it's fucking good winter soldier is very pretty in in high school
1: you love winter soldier you love winter
0: soldier so much
1: like, I always kind of give the side-eye to people who are like, oh, I loved this thing, but then the fandom ruined it. Because, like, that's not how that works. And I don't think you liked it that much if it can be, like, ruined for you, you know? Like, don't get me wrong, people are awful and horrible online in many Uh different ways. But, like, if, like, kids being cringy about a thing that you liked ruins that thing, I don't think you really liked that thing that much, you know? Like, if that makes you mad and that's what ruins it, I don't think you liked that thing as much as you thought that you liked it, you know?
0: Here's what I will say. I will say that I think with certain sort of things, especially in, like, an internet era, and especially with very, like, populist media, there Mm. is a certain social aspect to enjoying it you know yeah, no, that's and totally sometimes true. when you try to engage in that social aspect and you just come away feeling unhappy it sort of doesn't mm-hmm. make you want to do that anymore you know and I, not that i'm no, saying think... that like that's the only way you should enjoy things but i think there is a validity yeah. to that you know
1: yeah no i think the social aspect of it can totally be ruined for you i think that's absolutely a thing but to be like oh uh, undertale sucks because Kids well are annoying. right annoying, it's just like, that's not, you didn't actually like Undertale, you just thought you were cool because you right. liked Undertale, you know?
0: <laughs> right. I started, like not, um, I started reading Homestuck a little while ago, um, yeah, just because I was curious about Homestuck it.
1: Before. Yeah.
0: It's, um, because I read it when I was, it, like, a sophomore in high school, um, I didn't, like, read it all the way through. I was dating a girl who was really into Homestuck, and I wanted her to like me, so <laughs> I read a lot of it, yep, um, it. which is to say that I wasn't, like, super engaging with it. I was kind of just, like, wolfing through it as fast as I could to, like, get through as much of it as I could so I could kind of know what she was talking about yeah. and that she would like me. Talk to her um, about it, yeah. But, um, like, it was just one of those weird things that, like, I had a lot of weird pent-up emotions about, like, Doctor Who, like, from middle school where I was, like, weirdly angry Mm -hmm. about it for so long. And, like, just sort of trying to, like, go back and, like, purge myself of all that weird baggage I had of it. And you know what? Homestuck's pretty good. I like Homestuck so far. Yeah. Um, the only thing about it is that, like, Mm -hmm. it's so convoluted like by design it's stupendously convoluted and that's sort of the appeal of it right is that it's like and part of it is that it's like sort of parodying like super obtuse like mmorpg mechanics where there's like a bazillion Mm -hmm. different currencies and a million different storylines so there is sort of a winking element to the fact that it is so convoluted but even mm-hmm. still, like even in spite it's of that, you can
1: yeah
0: get pretty exhausted by it sometimes. But yeah. at the end of the day, it like even now, like 15 or whatever, not 15 years, but almost 10 years later, seven, like it's still yeah. really funny. Like I laugh at a lot of yeah. the jokes in it. like I find it to genuinely be really funny still, which I was not expecting. Mm.
1: Well, it, this happens literally all the time, where someone will go to make fun of something, and then unintentionally just like totally become the thing that they're making fun of. It's like, oh, we're right. making fun of how convoluted this is by being convoluted, so now it's just convoluted. <laughs> right. Uh, but we're still making fun of it though, still. <laughs> anyway, it's like you're you're right, but you're wrong. At the right.
0: Same
1: time. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I I've tried to read Homestuck a couple times and what turns me off about it is I guess it's not really a turn off it's just more of like a willpower thing is that it's one of those things that like definitely gets better as it goes along but like the the what like the I've seen art like the official art of Homestuck and like mm-hmm. I really enjoy like the style and like what they're doing and their character designs and stuff but like the first like First of all, it's long as balls. Yeah. There's, like, eight acts, and the art doesn't get good to like, the fifth act. So I'll get, like, (laughs) a quarter of the way through the first act and be like, hey, this is ugly as sin, and I'm tired of looking at it. (laughs) And then I I stop reading it, and I know that it gets better, and I know that because it's a webcomic, so the artist evolves as the comic goes on, which is cool, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure is a very fun thing to experience, but I can never, like, I just... I get bored of it, and I can't push myself to get to, right. like, the
0: part where it gets good, quote-unquote. Right. I'm, a One of the things about Homestuck is I feel like it's always been, like, really overhyped how long it is. I mean, I don't know. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but, like, each yeah. little, like, <laughs> page... Each little page of it, which is, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. a few paragraphs of text in those, like, chat logs, and sometimes is literally yeah. just a picture, and then you go to the next one is the next yeah. page. Um and so, like, right now, I've been reading it for, like, a few minutes a night for the last, like, like two or three weeks or so, and I'm, like, 1,500 mm-hmm. pages in, and I looked up, like, the total amount of pages, like, because people always say, like, it's the longest ever thing in history, but, like, I don't know what rubric they're judging that by, because apparently the total page yeah. count is, like, 8,000 pages. Which doesn't seem that super long to me, especially considering a lot of them do not include any actual words, (laughs) you know? And maybe once I get into the later part of it, those chat logs are gonna get really long, and I'm gonna be like, Oh, this is super long? But as of right now, I'm skeptical that it's actually as long as people hype it up to be.
1: Isn't the longest written thing right now still that Super Smash Brothers fanfiction? Is that still
0: a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I
1: hope so. I'm gonna okay. I I'm gonna that. take a
0: second. <laughs> I'm gonna take a second and do some research.
1: It might just uh, be I'm the longest. I'm gonna Google Homestuck.
0: Longest work of fiction. Okay, so on Reddit, this person says that Homestuck has eight hundred thousand and some odd words. Which I guess I don't know for some reason it just seems like Oh okay 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 So this person says <laughs> It has 800,000 words Which is just over 100,000 more Than the King James Bible And if it were a published book It would be the fifth longest novel In the English language That I believe Um Yes because like the longest novel is still not as long as like a serialized something, you know? Yeah. Um So okay, yeah. Now I now I have figured it out. Okay, so now that I'm gonna see sense. if that Super Smash yeah. Brothers fanfiction is still
1: I know. I really hope that it is. I don't know if it's good. I just really like the idea that the longest thing ever written is a Super Smash Brothers right. fanfiction. It is so where I am right
0: now. Yeah, it is. Uh, Subspace Emissary World's Conquest has 4,100,000 words.
1: Aw, hell yeah, dude.
0: (laughs) And, you know, I'm sure that very few of them are any good. But, you know what?
1: Oh, I'm sure it's (laughs) not good. But that's not the point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe... We should start reading it. Maybe we should do a book club on this podcast where we read the longest ever work of fiction in history.
1: This is is on topic. I recently started going back and watching My Little Pony because it was Friendship is Magic because it was like a huge thing for me in middle school in my friend group. And it was just like something we loved and loved and loved. But then when I go into high school, I just like stopped watching it and then Uh I got into like it's tenth season and ended recently, so I was like, I should Did go it? back and like watch All of My Little Pony because it was something that like younger me really loved and it would be nice uh-huh. to like go back and watch that. But like even that is taking a while and I don't know <laughs> if <laughs> I go that times like a billion <laughs> for right. the Stuff Space Emissary fanfiction Right.
0: Uh do you wanna check on the chat see if anybody's saying anything fun about homestuck?
1: Kate is talking about that fan fiction, and she says oh, okay. and they say, "Yeah, it is like the longest thing." And they're like, "What if I just wrote out every single interaction of, like, if any of the Super Smash People characters like actually met, which is fun. <laughs> I like that." Right. I think I think I think Link and Mario would have some things to talk about. <laughs> I think that'd be an enjoyable time.
0: And I think um it's interesting to think about, like what constitutes like a singular work of fiction and also what sort of counts in this system. Because I think like Mm -hmm. there are hour long podcasts that have been running for 10 years. If I took, if I transcribed every episode of Jordan, Jesse go starting all the way from like 2008 or whatever, like to the present Mm -hmm. day, that would probably be way more than 4 million words, but yeah, I guess that's not a work of fiction though I guess that would be no. non-fiction
1: um, um, It should be with all the fucking lies that they spew <laughs>
0: um, Okay uh, Although there must be I wonder if there is like an improv, if there's like a long running improv podcast that we could mine yeah. and call the longest work like- of fiction technically
1: even like the Adventure Zone, like if you wrote down like just in like their first like art, oh freaking C- Critical Role has like yeah, five maybe. hour episodes, and their second season they're like on a hu- episode like hundred and twelve or something. Right. Like, I feel like that would probably be the longest one of the. Longest yeah, like if you
0: transcribed all of that out.
1: Yeah, especially with like characters and like and yeah, that'd be that'd be a lot. Oh my god, I keep. <laughs> i keep trying to catch up on critical role and the fact that each episode is like five hours long just like gets me
0: yeah no (laughs) that is a complete barrier i've never had any interest in it because
1: of that well because i love honestly like i've just like gone to like getting the story out of like fan art on pinterest and cosplayers on tiktok because like they just get all the good juicy story stuff and i know i'm missing a lot but like i love the characters i love what's going on but like I will personally play D&D for, like, hours. I love playing D&D. It doesn't Uh feel like a huge chunk of time when I just, like, sit down and play D&D for, like, seven hours. Like, I could totally do that. Like, 12 hours, not a problem. Right. But listening to somebody play D&D for five hours is a totally different thing. And especially when it's, like, plot-heavy and... I can't check out during it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a lot because, like, when you are playing D anD D, there are times like when your character isn't doing something where you, unless you're DMing, of course, where you can like check out for a little bit, like mentally, mm-hmm.
0: and then come back right.
1: in. You can't do yeah, that yeah. when you're listening. <laughs> you
0: right. That's yeah. It's not
1: an option. <laughs>
0: um. Okay. So adaptation.
1: Oh yeah, Cade. Cade says the Magnus Archives too. Like any. Any podcast yeah, like, fictional thing. Like, Welcome to Night Vale is pretty long.
0: I don't think that would be quite as long. And the Magnus Archives hasn't been going long... that long, has it? Those are short if, episodes, and, what, what and I if? think they only have, like, a couple hundred. Uh,
1: Kate said 180. of Yeah, I mean, and
0: they're, out. like, 20-minute episodes, right? I don't think that would be more than 4 million it words. Is.
1: Well, what if they just keep going for, like, 20 years? What the- well, yeah, <laughs> I was going
0: to say, if they kept going for another 10 years, maybe it would be, but...
1: Yeah. Um, I was about to say, I would love to do some sort of, like, narrative podcast. I would love to do a and d podcast. Like, I would right. genuinely love that. Uh, I would I would absolutely edit down to like an hour because like the Adventure <laughs> right. Zone I can I could totally watch the Adventure Zone I love the Adventure Zone Critical Role I love it I can't I can't watch right, it can't I don't it. have the mental capacity to watch five hours of somebody right. else playing D and D I can't yeah, do yeah I mean
0: maybe there's a world where we could set up a D and D thing maybe that could be fun um, I would
1: love that I would love yeah. that so much
0: you would have to kind of take point on that though because I would have been yeah, no, totally interest but whatever. Um,
1: yeah, dude. If like anybody was like, yeah, dog, I would totally do a D and D podcast. I know uh, there's like okay. 12 billion D and D podcasts, but like they're fun and I like
0: them. Yeah. Okay. So adaptation. I noticed when I was looking at the Wikipedia page, uh, there was a little mm-hmm. thing that said um, that. Uh, hold on. Let me look exactly. So the. Uh, I, shoot, I should have written down, like, the name of the organization. But it was the, like, Hollywood Visual Effects Society or whatever. Uh, this mm-hmm. movie won an award... Or Nicolas Cage won an award for Best Performance by an Actor in an Effects Film. Which I think mm-hmm. is a super fucking cool category that should be more mainstream. Like, people whose performances are deeply affected by, like, visual effects work. You know? Oh,
1: yeah. Like, whether that's, mm-hmm. like...
0: I'm trying to think of a good example like Seth Rogen in American well, uh, Pickle or like Andy Circus in anything or like you know in
1: something what's, what's his face in Roger Rabbit the main guy yeah
0: Bob Hoskins is the new frame Roger Rabbit like anything yeah. where like so much of your performance is built around yeah. built around the visual effects involved
1: Roger Rabbit is so fucking good man
0: yeah I Roger Rabbit's Roger the best Rabbit's movie so ever I also the watched best movie ever made So fucking Robert Zemeckis. I just watched Back to the Future the other night, which is also a goddamn perfect movie. Like, Robert Zemeckis made. The future's fucking great. Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit within like a year of each other. And those are like literally two of the best movies in history. Like, how do you do that? It's insane. Yeah.
1: God, I wanna watch Who Friend Roger Rabbit now. It's still on Netflix. I guess it'd be on Disney Plus. It's on Disney
0: fucking
1: Plus, yeah. Destroy Who friend Roger Rabbit right
0: now. <laughs> um I'm looking at my notes. Um there I love fucking Donald's like cop movie pitch so much. I think it's so funny. Where he's constantly just like Wait, hold okay, on. Okay, so what?
1: Kate just brought up Parent Trap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as, as one of the best movies. Of, oh, okay, yeah. No, fair enough. No, no, I mean, no, I no, don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> 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 I, like,
0: um, I mean, yeah, no, maybe I haven't somebody seen Parent Trap, me, but if Lindsay Lohan is good in it, maybe she would be up for that Parent award. Parent
1: Trap. Somebody made me watch that recently. And I gotta tell you... I didn't like it because it felt like they weren't respecting their parents' decisions like at all. Because
0: you think about the parent
1: trap is that it's these twins? Kids sisters. rule, adults
0: drool. Well,
1: yeah, it's like their parents get divorced when they're babies and each kid gets a custody and they don't know about the other one, which is fucked up. Don't get me uh-huh. wrong. It's not how you can handle that situation. <laughs> right. But they're like, oh, we're friends because we met at summer camp after being total bitches to each other. We're now friends at summer camp. Uh, We should try to get our parents back together And I'll pretend to be you And you'll pretend to be me And like without learning about the situation at all Of like why they got divorced They're just like Oh you guys should get back together And it's like that (laughs) Maybe your mother and father are much happier Now that they're divorced Right (laughs) Isn't it also like like like, a two and
0: a half hour movie
1: It's pretty long But like if you just like Wanted to be like hey mom hey dad uh, it's really fucked up that you didn't tell me that I had a twin sister and I want <laughs> her to be in my life now. I'd be like, yeah, you right. absolutely have the right to be like that. I'd be like, hey, mom and dad, I have no idea why you got divorced, but I think you should get back together. It's just like, I
0: don't,
1: I don't like that.
0: <laughs> um, okay, anyway, anyway. Donald's like cop movie pitch is so funny to me because he's constantly just yeah. like butting into the story and just being like, okay... So I wrote in, like, a chase scene where it's, like, the good guy's on a horse, but the bad guy's in a car. And it's, like, technology versus horse, which is, like, the funniest thing I've ever heard. Um, And, like, just at the beginning where he was, like, the killer has multiple personality syndrome, but the cop and the killer are actually the same person and charlie is just like oh my fucking yeah. god like <laughs> there's yeah. something so funny you about the it.
1: imagery of shattered mirrors to mirror how <laughs> his, like, his <laughs> yeah. fragmented it's like wow.
0: it's like it kind of so funny and then he's like successful and everyone's soft just soft. like and i would probably see loves that
1: it. <laughs>
0: yeah because it's like, if I watched that movie, I'd probably walk out of it being like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'd probably and like then it. And I see
1: the broken mirror, and I'm like, oh, just like it like- said. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. I
0: get it. <laughs> and it's like, it's kind yeah. of holding up the mirror to you, you know? Um, I don't know, I just think uh, it's funny. Like, it's so it perfect. Broken? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it's like, absolutely... Well, because I love at the beginning of this movie, basically, we see the twin brothers, like his whole career as a screenwriter is basically this movie where it's like the first time right. you see him, he's like, I think I want to be a screenwriter. And his brother's like, right. yeah, fucking don't. Because <laughs> right. it sucks and I hate it. And then at right. the end, he's like super successful. I just think it's funny that it's like. Yeah. He's like, his first shitty idea is just amazing.
0: <laughs> right. And it's sort of, it speaks to the whole, like, self-loathing thing where he's almost, like, beating himself up. Being like, if I could just yeah. write a fucking story about a cop or whatever, like, I yeah, could if I, do If that. I
1: just didn't care, I could, right, do, yeah. I could make crap and it would be fine and like, people would love it. You
0: know? <laughs> I got lucky and I wrote this fucking weird-ass banana script about John Malkovich. And I, like, got my foot in the door in Hollywood. So now if Mm -hmm. I could just fucking write a movie about, like, a tough cop who has to, (laughs) like, beat the odds right before retirement and just, like, you know, invest in it and, like, make it good, you know, like, I could make Mm -hmm. bank. I could be successful and then maybe I could do whatever I wanted. But, like, if I could just like, not give so much of a fuck, I would be fine, you know? Um, yeah. Which I think is, like, really interesting and cool. Um yeah. And, like... Oh, and one of the things... I, Go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say, I've had that thought so many times in my life. Not necessarily usually about art, but just about life in general, just like, man, if I didn't give a fuck, life would be so much easier, but, like, that's not <laughs> the right. point of the movie is so that, like, that's not the way to go. The point is to give a fuck right. about things that it's hard to give a fuck about.
0: <laughs> right. And, like, and I feel like the, there's sort of a weird balance there, because on the one hand, it's not like, oh, I should just not give a fuck and fucking shit out a Hollywood piece of nonsense yeah. or whatever. Because the masses like are idiots. Yeah, it feels, like, weirdly reverential of, like, that whole sort of process in a weird sort of way. And he goes to that seminar and Mm -hmm. he learns about, like, why that stuff works. And, like, the moral of the story isn't that, like, that stuff sucks. The moral of the story is, like, it's okay if I want to do that. Like, that stuff is cool. Yeah. And I should let myself do it. Because there's nothing wrong with it, you know? and like yeah. that's sort of what he learns at the end because he like writes in a fucking car chase and a guy getting eaten by an alligator yeah. and he's like hell yeah this stuff's cool um, Well, I love it yeah,
1: when the it's brother just, it's a is talking cool about seminar it's a good movie mm-hmm. when he's talking about the seminar and he's like it. he's like it's not a scam because this guy isn't talking about rules like rules are something that you have to do he's saying he's talking about principles right or principles are just things that have proven been proven to work over and over and over again and these principles right. are effective so when he like basically listens to that advice and starts using those principles that have been proven to work and then they do work in the story right. and in the movie it's like oh uh-huh it's good
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, um, it's good
1: and <laughs> i like it <laughs>
0: So yeah, um, I'm trying to think if there's if anything else we want on to 15, add.
1: Doctor Pepper, <laughs> no. one more time. I'm gonna reach my hand. I'm with done with my drink. I'm strangle you.
0: <laughs> I'm. I'm uh, we're at like.
1: I finished my drink.
0: I'm <laughs> done. Exactly um,
1: what you said.
0: Like. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. We're done with the move. Like we've been going for like an hour and plus.
1: I'm done. Um, with the move.
0: Like, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we want to say at the last second. Like, Charlie Kaufman is a weird career because he's managed to, like, make a name for himself, like, exclusively writing fucking weird-ass movies, you know? Like, mm-hmm. pretty much every—like, even like even pe- writers with the most distinct voices every once in a while have, like, a few things where they're just like, Yeah, I wrote a fucking—like, the Coen brothers wrote Intolerable Cruelty, which is just like— what if mm-hmm. George Clooney and Catherine Zeta-Jones fell in love? And it's like still kind of a Coen Brothers movie, but you're like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Like get that, get to the bad Coen <laughs> Brothers. It's fine. Um, yeah. But like Charlie Kaufman's filmography is literally like he does being John Malkovich, and then he follows it up with adaptation, mm-hmm. um, and then he wrote this weird ass movie called Human Instinct. Which I haven't seen and I don't know a lot about, but apparently it's, like, not super good. But it's just, like, this yeah, weird movie about, like... Or no, it's not called Human Instinct. What's it called? Um, one second. Um, human Nature. Um, uh, human Nature follows the ups and downs of an obsess- of an obsessive scientist, a female naturalist, and the man they discover, born and raised in the wild... As scientist Nathan trains the wild man in the ways of the world, starting with table manners. Nathan's lover, Lila, fights to preserve the man's simian past, which represents a freedom enviable to most. So it's like, they find, like, a feral wild man, and they're like, yeah, fighting over how to raise him. Um,
1: Which is interesting. Yeah, which is interesting. I've
0: heard it's not that good, though, but whatever. Um, And then he starts, or no, I guess he does have, he has a movie called Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, that was directed by George Clooney, which. Oh. I haven't seen it, but maybe that's his one, like straight down the middle. Movie. Yeah. Television made him famous, but his biggest hits happened off screen. Television producer by day, CIA assassin by night. Chuck Barris was recruited by the CIA at the height of his TV career and trained to become a covert operative. So, yeah, that kind of sounds like a paycheck gig. That sounds like mm. fucking. Donald's cop script <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, honestly, good for him. <laughs> like, I'm glad he did that. Anyway. Yeah,
1: I mean, like, I feel like I don't know when this came about, but I feel like it's gone totally got a style of, like, I think it honestly came out of the 90s when they're, like, paid sponsorships were, like, really becoming a thing where people are mm-hmm. like, oh, you fucking sold out, dude. Like, oh, it's ruined because you're fucking making money. Like, it loses something because you're, like, Making money right. off of it. Like it's not genuine anymore. And like that's just uh-huh. so fucking stupid. Like I get like <laughs> at some level, like compromising your own art in order to make a profit is one thing. Right. And then getting a sponsorship so that you can live and also make more art is <laughs> right. not bad in any way, and I don't think we should be shaming artists for getting livable wages whatever way that means
0: right um so anyway after that or no and he does um eternal sunshine of the spotless mind um after human nature um and you know he's not directing any of these movies he's just a writer um but this is when he starts directing and he does synecdoche new york which is this weird existential like surreal ass movie about philip seymour hoffman like doing this weird it's a performance. Ass movie? Yeah, it, like he does. He's doing this weird performance art where he basically like recreates the town of Synecdoche, New York, like full size, like somewhere else, and like pays actors. It's like this weird like commentary on like expression and like filling the void yeah. and like screaming into nothingness and wanting to be seen or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then he does Anomalisa, which is he directs this one too, which is like a weird like stop motion puppety movie about, like, an old Chinese man having an existential crisis. <laughs> <And> That's fine. <laughs> then his next movie is I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix that came out this month, um, which is, like, this totally non-literal weird movie about, like, relationships. And, like, he's just had this weird career where he's, like, somehow gotten away with, like, basically only writing whatever the fuck he feels like yeah Yeah. Um, I mean
1: like honestly like as soon as you get a niche for yourself like you just have to do something fucking wild good once and then nobody's gonna stop you from doing weird shit for the rest of forever like you become the weird shit guy (laughs) it's like it's like this is bad and I I think it won't work oh but that guy's doing it and he does the weird shit so that is so fine here here's a million dollars
0: (laughs) right okay okay I have a I have a super tangent I want to go on. Um, right. The next movie that Charlie Kaufman is writing, he's not directing this one, but he's writing it, is uh, mm-hmm. Chaos Walking, which is this one of those weird movies that people like to joke is never going to come out because it's had this super weird, troubled production. Um, but it's yeah. this adaptation of this weird sci-fi book and Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley are going to be like the two leads. Um, and it's directed by Doug Lehman, is the guy who did like Edge of Tomorrow and the first Born Identity movie, who's like this oh, yeah. huge action director who works with Tom Cruise a lot, um, but Doug Lehman has like four different movies that he's working on, uh, supposedly working on right now that are set to come out like in the next two to three years, and I just don't <laughs> buy it because he's got yeah. uh, an adaptation of Cannonball, or excuse me, uh. He's doing a remake of Cannonball Run. Um, he's doing Chaos Walking. He's doing a sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. And have you heard about um the movie that just got like officially greenlit where Paramount is going to team up with SpaceX and send Tom Cruise literally to space to make an action movie literally in space.
1: That fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, I'm so
0: pumped about it. But Doug even set up to direct that yeah. one too. So, like.
1: Oh, Jesus. Yeah, like, a pe- I don't know how many of these movies
0: are actually going to happen. Anyway. Yeah. But I'm so fucking pumped to literally send Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise into Cruise space. Is just
1: going to fucking fall out of orbit and we're gonna film it live and that's (laughs) gonna be the
0: whole movie like I don't know what that movie's gonna be but it's gonna fucking kick ass yeah Um, it's
1: gonna be balls to the wall (laughs) just fucking crazy
0: yeah um like, Tom Cruise is in this place right now where it seems like he knows he's got, like, maybe, like, three or four years left of, like, doing big action movies yeah, he's again. Yeah, the shark now. And he's just like, I'm gonna go fucking insane. Like, have you seen yeah. the set photos that have been coming out for Mission Impossible 7? No. Like, literally...
1: Setting
0: himself on fire. (laughs) No, literally. It was, like, on Chris McQuarrie's Instagram. It was, like, day one of production on Mission Impossible 7. Good luck to us. And it's this picture of this huge fucking motorcycle ramp literally just going off of a giant cliff in Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, what is this? Like,
1: (laughs) how... At what point does it become, like, at what point do we need to, like, sit Tom Cruise down and be like, <laughs> yeah. this is suicide by motorcycle ramp, and you gotta yeah. stop. <laughs> Suicide by Fallout 5, or whatever.
0: And Not for cool. a long time, he was, yeah. like, really trying to, like, be the Green Lantern in, like, the, in a Green Lantern movie. Which is super yeah. weird, because he's, like, almost 60, and he's like, I need an action franchise right now. I need to start an action yeah. franchise immediately. It's like, well, you can't do that. I don't
1: think he knows who he is without one, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I, like, yeah, I, I don't know. to the end of my rope, I need a franchise now. I need a Robert <laughs> Downey Jr. myself, where I'm old, right. but I'm the character now, so you yeah. can't get rid of me until I'm done.
0: But yeah, and that's the thing, is that um, at least before coronavirus, the plan was that they were going to shoot Mission Impossible 7 and 8, like, simultaneously, like, all at once. Presumably with the intent of, let's get as many Mission Impossible movies together as we can before Tom Cruise gets too old to do them anymore. (laughs) Before um, Tom
1: Cruise dies in space.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before he dies making his fucking space movie with Elon god. Musk.
1: Could you imagine <laughs> if Tom Cruise died in space?
0: <laughs> it was Elon Musk's fault.
1: <laughs> oh my fucking... I hope that's... This is a terrible thing to say, but I hope that's this timeline. Because god damn it, that's so fucking funny.
0: Imagine seeing a headline Elon that was Cruise. just like...
1: Kills Tom Cruise in space.
0: <laughs> Imagine seeing the headline that's just like, tragic news this morning. Tom Cruise, while in an astronaut suit, broke free of his tether and drifted into space, never to be seen again. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> full on got gravitated and never returned.
1: Same as, like, being an astronaut. They're gonna be, like, doing things, or else it's gonna be, like, a boring movie. So they're yeah. gonna be taking stupid risks like that, because they're <laughs> filming a movie, and Tom Cruise is just gonna fucking go into space, and we're never gonna see him again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gonna be Elon I Musk's swear to
0: God, fault. he has whatever disease the Free Solo guy had, where he yeah. just, like, doesn't have any real like sense of consequences or fear or whatever that was and he just like doesn't give a fuck yeah have you heard that story about on mission impossible 2
1: would be content if he died in space
0: i think that's (laughs) that's what he wants to be honest
1: if he died in space yeah yeah i think he wants to (laughs) die in space and we should just stop trying to stop it i I
0: (laughs) read. I read an interview with, or I was watching an interview with Henry Cavill the other day because I was thinking about Mission Impossible 6. Um, And, you know, there's a whole sequence at the end where, like, Henry Cavill's in a helicopter and Tom Cruise is, like, piloting the other helicopter, like, chasing after him. It's, like, this whole thing because, like, Tom Cruise, like, knows is, like, an experienced helicopter pilot and he did all that stuff himself and he, like, knows how to fly a helicopter, is doing these, like, stunts and henry cavill isn't piloting a helicopter he's just in a helicopter but that is still like doing some stunts and somebody asked him was Mm -hmm. like so did did you like that like was that like a cool fun experience to be able to do that and he was like um tom cruise is really into that stuff i am less into that stuff (laughs) like i was (laughs) not into being in those helicopters
1: yeah (laughs) yeah
0: Um, It's just so funny. I think
1: being in an action sequence with Tom Cruise might just be the scariest thing on the planet. Yeah, I know. While you're cautious and you want to live, Tom Cruise is going to drift out space or crash a helicopter into (laughs) a cliff or drive a motorcycle off a cliff. And he's just going to fucking do it. So anytime you're I like, genuinely, oh, maybe I don't want to.
0: Tom Cruise is already doing it, whether you <laughs> is he are yeah. ready or not. <laughs> um, I genuinely, He's there's a part of me Blair. that really thinks that eventually Tom Cruise is, like, actually going to die doing an insane stunt for a movie. And it's going to become one of these yeah. things where, like, we all have to take a hard look at ourselves and be like, we're partially complicit in this, aren't we? Like, we all wanted to yeah, see because, this like, movie we and, lit. like...
1: Because every time he actually jumps out of an airplane, we're like, holy shit, he actually jumped out of an airplane. <laughs> that was the coolest now shit gonna ever. And we're going to be like, holy shit, he actually went into space. Like, we're, we're all enablers, basically. For yeah,
0: exactly. We're all enabling Tom and, Cruise.
1: And then when, so the headline is going to be, Tom Cruise just drifted into space <laughs> and it's your fault.
0: <laughs> and it's your fault? You have a podcast where you said it was super sick when he was on that airplane. <laughs>
1: Drifted into space and you could have stopped him. Stopped him?
0: Yeah. This didn't have to happen. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> I want to see that Thomas movie so fucking space, bad though. We're gonna get
1: in trouble.
0: Yeah. <laughs> god, god damn it. I
1: wish I wish no ill will towards Tom Cruise. I really want to die in space <laughs> though.
0: <laughs> Is this podcast episode gonna age, like, super poorly in oh, five years? so
1: bad. Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> to space. We're gonna be in so much trouble.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, okay
1: we start actually finally making merch can we make a t-shirt that says how <laughs> cruise just drifted into space and it's, you
0: could stop it. it
1: and it's your it. fault
0: that's good that's good merch <laughs> <sighs> okay
1: good one with c3po's ass the one that says adeline was right and one that says jackson was right
0: with the aquaman logo
1: yeah see once we rebrand For the third and hopefully final time, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and I like get art that I'm like actually proud of. Then I can like actually start like designing some merch because I think that'd be totally fun. Yeah, maybe. And the thing about uh, our art for the podcast is that at this point it's like two years old, which means Mm -hmm. that I hate it now. Right. I'm a better artist than I was then, so every time we record a podcast, I have to look at this old shitty art I did two years ago.
0: Right, yeah. And
1: my just anger grows at myself, because I don't like it anymore.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, um, and the, um, oh, I was trying to think what I was going to say about podcast art and rebranding, um, yeah that oh i mean i don't know i'm reticent about doing merch right now there's a lot of things that i would love Mm -hmm. to do that i will absolutely not do like not to like nag our audience but like because i just know that very few people would actually engage with it or none and i feel like my own self-esteem would not be able to handle if we published some merch and then nobody bought it i'd be like ah no fuck this yeah i mean
1: yeah
0: and you know, I'm I'm not trying to be <laughs> no, passive aggressive <I> <laughs> to our to our viewers, but like that's just the reality of it. I'm sorry. Yeah, no no no, anyway. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um So Adeline. Final yes. thoughts about adaptation.
1: Is is really good. The one thing one thing that I will say, I was not ready uh to to watch a woman give birth in like the first five minutes
0: of the Oh right, yeah.
1: I was I wasn't ready for that.
0: Give birth to <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> it's
1: really good. Yeah, they just there's just straight up footage of a woman giving like actual births, and you like right, yeah. see it like in the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah, and it's like it's fine, but I just wasn't ready. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's nature, Adeline. Anyway,
1: <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Hold on
0: one sec. I'm gonna look through the it's reviews. It's
1: beautiful and not terrifying.
0: So yeah, without making this part of the podcast. Like this is this is the take I was avoiding. This person says, "The scenes of scenes of somebody fantasizing about having sex with women are rape." And I'm like, "No, that's not the take I want. That's not." No, not. Um
1: thing.
0: anyway. So anyway, you that can person see it. it makes
1: you uncomfortable. I think that's totally fine, but yeah. that's a bad take.
0: Yeah. Not a good take. Bad anyway. But yeah, it's like this seems like the kind of movie that should be just like totally pretentious and like masturbatory and like stuck up and like Uh, obsessed with itself you know but like for some reason it just doesn't feel that way it doesn't feel like overly pretentious or like you know self-absorbed even though it literally is somebody like inserting himself into his own screenplay for his own fucking edification you know that's literally what it is but it still is cool i don't know i don't know what about this movie makes it not feel totally insufferable
1: Like, I honestly think it's because he's such a sad sack. Like, honestly, it's because he's, like, I am not confident in my art, so I'm just kind of, like, I'm doing something basically easy and self-indulgent, and this is what I'm doing. Like, he's not, like, because the movie comes at what they're doing in such, like, a bad way. He's like, this is a bad movie, and I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, and I'm in a rut with my life and with my art. Mm -hmm. Versus coming into a movie and being like, This is amazing, perfect art. Look at what a fucking genius I am for being right. Meta. Like, you know. Yeah. Like because it comes from like such like a like a low place and then ends in such a high place, it like feels really good, especially as someone who creates art and puts something into the world. That's like, yeah, it's nice that you can get out of that rut and it's really relatable. And surprise it's hard to relate to someone who's like, I'm a fucking genius. It's like, that's hard <laughs> right, to relate yeah. to. Unless you also have that same, like, complex, basically.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Unless you're also like, I'm fucking awesome and perfect with galaxy brain. So I right. like this because it's just as galaxy brain as me. It's like, there's only so many people like that. The right. rest of us have low self-esteem, and I don't know what to
0: tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. Okay. <laughs> So, but yeah, I don't know. There's something weird about like that very opening scene where it's just the voiceover of Nicolas Cage, like sort of talking to himself where like, there's Mm -hmm. something that rings so true about it. Like just in the particular things that he says where he's like, like, he's just like, I don't like myself. He's just like, I should, I should work out more Mm -hmm. and I should really do it this time. And I should also, (laughs) there's a line that I think is actually kind of funny where he's just like, I should learn to speak Chinese. I could be the screenwriter who knows Chinese and can play the oboe. That would be awesome. Yeah. And Like, there's something about yeah, that that was really like, funny to me. That's relatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're always like, I should learn to play the trumpet. I fucking, I asked my parents to buy me a trumpet yeah. for my birthday a little while ago, and they did. Yeah. And I have you a trumpet now. And I I have it, and I've, like, been fiddling around with it, but, you know... I have, like, I have an accordion, and I have a violin, and I have a trumpet that I've been meaning to, like, really learn how to play, and I just have never done it. And I want to so bad, but I just can't make myself do it, and it just turns into that whole thing of, like, what?
1: If you don't start a ska band by the end of the year, I'm gonna be supremely disappointed in
0: you. (laughs) Okay, so then I play the trumpet in, you mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I mean.
0: Well, but I mean, I already played the, the guitar, our, and I could play the guitar in a Ska band. Yeah, should our, uh, this
1: might be, should our new theme literally just be a Ska song? Because that, fe- that feels right, honestly. That does feel right, to
0: be frank, that feels that really feel right. right. though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm definitely going to write a Ska song. <laughs> it is going to have lyrics if it's a Ska That's song, fine. though. Uh, okay, yeah. cool. so just a heads up—you heard it here first. In a few weeks, in a few weeks, we're gonna add a third host to this podcast and rebrand, and the new theme is gonna be a ska song. And there's not much that you guys can do about it. Okay. Uh, so, Adeline, would you like to hear uh, a one-star review of adaptation?
1: I would. I bet it's not pretentious at all. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, wait, 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 wait! I have one more thing I want to say before we get there. Oh, okay. Um very one of the things that really drives me insane when it comes to like online film criticism is people yeah. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this because I don't want to say it's like people politicizing movies because all movies are political, and like politicizing yeah. what they are what they stand for is totally natural and should be done. but there is a certain Surprise, type you can't of person
1: politics from things. <laughs>
0: Right, but, like, politicizing, like, aesthetics of a movie drives me insane, whereas just, like, a movie that a certain kind of person that you don't like would like, and being like, this is an incel movie, and is bad, and honestly is reprehensible, is, like, to me is, like, the most infuriating take, like, I saw, mm-hmm. like, just any movie that, like, is sort of pensive and, like, navel-gazy and, like, you know, like, a movie like this that, like, thinks it's pretty smart and, like, not that that is not something to criticize, but to, like, politicize it and be like, this is a movie for, that your boyfriend makes you watch and therefore is bad is, like, infuriating yeah. to me. You know, like, well,
1: I just think actively
0: politicizing kinda... something based on not actual thematic Textual content but just like what kind of movie it is drives me insane well
1: it's like it's like fight club it's like making a judgment on a piece of on a film basically based on how it's misinterpreted by its audience you know yeah like
0: i don't even think it's that i think there's Because, like, there is something to be criticized about Fight Club and, like, the content of it. If you view it a certain way, Mm -hmm. it could be seen as totally reprehensible. Obviously, I don't see it that way, but Mm -hmm. somebody could, and there's a certain amount of validity to that. I'm thinking of things Mm -hmm. like... There was a big controversy about... Not controversy. Some person who worked for like the Mm -hmm. Washington Post or something who was not a film critic wrote a super bad article about there will be blood a little while ago about how it's this movie Mm -hmm. and it's like bad for society because it's the kind of thing that men really like and it's like my boyfriend made me watch there will be blood and we should all move on and pretend like this wasn't a good movie because this is the patriarchy or whatever and it was, like, literally had nothing to do with the content of the film. It was just, like, this is something that men like and it is the kind of thing that a certain kind of person would be drawn to and therefore is, is like, morally like, reprehensible. That is yeah. what drives me insane.
1: It feels like the opposite. It, it's like a new flavor of gatekeeping. yeah. It feels like it's invalidating people who like it, regardless if those people are women or people of color or straight white men who are not terrible. You know? Like it just feels like it's like, if you like this movie, you're the bad guy, even though there may not be anything, like, actually wrong
0: right. with
1: the movie, yeah. other than some shitty people like it. It's like, yeah, exactly. Some shitty people like literally everything, and right. you can't judge a piece of work always, always by the audience. Right. Sometimes there's an argument to be made, like with Fight Club, but not. there's not always an argument to be made. Yeah,
0: and, like, The Dark Knight is, like, a perfect example. Like, that is a movie... Yeah. That is, it's a like... a movie. There's... Uh, yeah. First of all, it's, like, an awesome movie. And second of all, there's very little mm-hmm. about it that you could, like, sort of misconstrue as being, like, really problematic or, like, you know, like, there's something, mm-hmm. like, politically despicable about it. Like, at, at its heart, it's a pretty softball movie, like, ideologically. And at the end of the day, it's a pretty mm-hmm. positive movie in terms of, like, the messaging and what it's saying about the world, in a way, you know? Yeah.
1: The two boats don't blow the two
0: each boats other don't up. blow each other up that's why that movie they rules don't. um but it's like it's become day, this thing where it's like
1: is just like
0: no yeah and that guy's good and people are good and but that's like one of those yeah. things where it's like this is a film bro movie and people are like zero stars because mm-hmm. my ex-boyfriend liked this movie and he sucked so obviously yeah. this movie is part of the reason why he sucked somehow and it's like no like don't bring the movie into yeah, this it's like,
1: yeah hey i know tons of cool people a lot of which are women who <laughs> dig that movie yeah because so like, it's
0: fucking good it's good know, as shit
1: because like, it's a good movie it's good listen one one of my best friends loves the joker and that's an incel movie so like shut <laughs> right. up right <laughs> like, um it's a bad argument
0: anyway uh so in that vein adeline would you like to hear a one-star yes. review of adaptation
1: Yes,
0: I would. Uh, this review comes from Letterboxd.com. They give it one star and they say, My ex boyfriend made me watch this after I was bitten in the face by a dog. Oh, End of review.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> Did. Were you okay? Did you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she Did was you attacked sit by a Rottweiler.
1: And, and then he was just like, sat down babe, for babe, an hour.
0: Babe, look at this movie. Babe, check yeah. this movie out. It's so smart. I mean, like,
1: it can, if you got, if you got, like, medical treatment, and then you're like, oh, I'm a little, like, shaken up, and you sit down for a little bit, and your boyfriend's like, oh, we'll put on a movie. that i like, I
0: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, what my name's Jackson McMurray. Is what
1: happened.
0: Yeah, it's a weird situation. <laughs> is Hi, like my name's McMurray. Jackson McMurray.
1: Is the dog okay? <laughs> And this is. There are no nerds allowed. And
0: this is no nerds allowed. Whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There is a context where it's okay, but I just don't know what the context is. Yeah. (laughs) Was the dog. Did the dog also watch the movie?